Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you are here today. I want to invite you, grab your Bibles, meet me in Psalm 34. Let's drop down today to verse 9. And the Word of God says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want, there's no lack to those who fear him. In the Hebrew, the word fear carries the meaning of a deep respect and reverence. It actually moves over into the area of worship. So when you worship the Lord, there's no lack in your life. Verse 10. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. So there can be those that are strong in their own strength or their own ability, but something is thrown at them that's beyond even their strongness, their ability to handle even with their strength. But if you are a worshiper of the Lord, and you directly worship Him and serve Him and live for Him. Look, God will take you through anything. He'll take you over, around, underneath, but He'll get you forward in His plan. Mm-mm. Now, I would like to read something to you, very uh, short, just a few sentences that Dr. Norval Hayes wrote out of his book titled Divine Healing. And this is in chapter 2, where uh, that chapter is titled First Things First. But he talks about this area of worship and why it's so important to worship the Lord and how when we worship the Lord, it dissolves lack out of your life. Listen to this. Uh, Dr. Hayes said, understand that Jesus is not simply a give me Jesus. It is true that the Lord will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus as mentioned in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. But he is not just a give me Jesus. He is a God who wants to be worshipped first of all. Christians need to learn to put first things first. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, it says, return to your first love. So we need to learn to worship him. Praise God. Norval continues on by saying, it is very simple to learn to worship the Lord Kneel down and tell him you love him or tell him while you are lying in your bed before you arise each morning or when you are taking a shower, just lift your hands and worship him. And he says, do you ask him for anything? No, just worship him. You can ask for things after you worship him. Now, Norval Hayes went on to say, my ministry is involved in programs that feed people. I believe in feeding programs. And he says, I was praying one day about our feeding program, and the Lord said to me. Now, I want you to listen to what he said the Lord told him, because he's praying about feeding programs, and this is what the Lord said. The Lord said, not one human being since Adam was created, not one has ever starved to death while they were worshiping and serving me. Not just serving. Did you catch that? But worshiping. Mm -mm. I want to read it again. Norval said, the Lord told him, not one human being since Adam was created, not one 
has ever starved to death while they were worshiping and serving me. When the people bowed down and worshiped me, the rains came and the fruit came and the grain fields flourished. The curse was lifted off their ground. So again, I want to read Psalm 34 verse nine. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. We could even say, oh, worship the Lord, you his saints. There is no want. There is no lack to those who fear, to those who respect, deeply reverence and worship him. Woo, praise the Lord. My friends, it's very important that we as believers, that we honor the Lord with our finances, yes, but that we also worship him because there are tests and there are trials, there are unexpected things, and then there's just normal life in general. And my friends, when we, when we worship the Lord openly and lift up our hands and maybe there are some watching me that you're, you're a Christian, but you, you, that's not something that you're used to doing. But I'm telling you, when you worship the Lord with no inhibitions, when you lift up your hands and you lift up your voice and say, God, I love you. I worship you. You are my Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. And when you just worship him and even kneel down before him and bless his great name, I'm telling you that God is a specialist in blessing those who are worshipers of him. And I, th I think in my heart that there are some of you that you honor the Lord, you serve the Lord, but in this area of worship, you have let that slip and it's not uh, in that place where it needs to be. Because when you worship the Lord, you're basically declaring that God, I trust you. God, I love you. And if you ever slip into an area where maybe you're frustrated with life, maybe you feel a blame towards God that will clog up your worship. But my friends, as you begin to worship, all of, uh, uh, of those feelings that would be negative begin to break off of you. And you begin to see that God truly is worthy of your worship. And as you worship him, his peace comes upon your life. And also his blessing comes upon your life. Now I agree with Norval completely agree with him that nobody has ever starved to death while they were worshiping and serving the Lord. But look, if you bow down to a rock and you worship a rock or a tree or a river, or, you know, you worship the sun or an idol, which can't speak, can't talk, certainly can't deliver. When you worship all of these impotent things, that's when people get in trouble. But if you will worship the Lord, he will always take care of you, even in a modern society with electricity and, uh, you know, and these other needs and necessities that we have, uh, fuel for our vehicles, uh, you know, food for the table, and on and on it goes. I'm telling you, regardless of anything, if you will always worship the Lord, He will supply your every need. Now, I, I want to ask you to make a special effort this week to worship the Lord. As so we're going to bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. Yes, I want you to honor the Lord with your finances. Yes, I want you to walk in biblical principles. 
But I also want you to worship the Lord and just raise your hands and say, Lord, you delight in the prosperity of your servant. I worship you. What a mighty God you are. And all of this week, just pour out your heart, your love, and your praise to the Lord. There may even be times you want to just get on your knees and lift your hands and worship the Lord, not even asking for anything, but just worshiping him for who he is and watch how the Lord will bless you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, those of you that are going to bring in their, your tithe and offering by mail, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. Now, if you prefer to bring the tithe and offering in online, you can do so. Please go to the ministry website stephenbrooks.org. There on the homepage is a link, is, a, is a, a tab, and it says give, and it has a red heart on it. And you can click that, and right there, you can bring the tithe and the offerings in online from anywhere, literally in the world, any time of the day or night. Bring it in, praise the Lord. And as you do, as you bring the tithe and offering in, worship the Lord, and say, Lord, I worship you. I worship you. Praise God. I'll never lack because I worship you. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Think about that. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want. There is no lack to those who fear him, reverence him, deeply respect him, worship him. Mm -mm. I see all lack dissipating, evaporating out, out, out of your life. Because you are a true worshiper and you're not being forced to, you want to, this is, this is coming from your heart. And I tell you, as you begin to do it, it starts to open up and it begins to pour out and always keep that flowing. Now, father, I pray for your people that you bless their finances, that you bring strength, your strength into their finances. And if there are those that need healing in their finances, perhaps even deliverance in their finances. I ask that you would move swiftly in their life. And I ask that you would look at their lives as they are worshiping you. And I ask that you would bless them and do turnarounds in their life. Father, because they love you and they are your people and they are expressing their love to you. Father, thank you. Thank you in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Now he's going to be watching and you make sure you're pouring out. The worship. Praise God. Now, today let's take our Bibles and we're going to go over to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. We're going to talk today about a fascinating subject. Uh, it's kind of a fun subject, too, because this gets into your spirit. It's very easy to walk this out. I want to talk today about becoming a secure person. Our key scripture will be in Galatians chapter 5. And uh, we're going to be in verse 18. And let's pray. Well, Father, as we go into your word, we ask that you would illuminate your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. That your spirit would quicken this word to us today. That it would be spiritual food. Woo! Father, we thank you. Let there be great strength and security in us. Thank you, Father God. Your confidence we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. 
Many of you, you're going to find yourselves in very unique positions and places, and you're going to need this security, this security, this inner security that you're so stabilized regardless of where you're at. You're so stabilized in the Lord. Mm-mm. It's a beautiful thing. Now, Galatians chapter five, let's start in verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies. Today, I want to talk about this area of jealousies and envy because they destabilize a person and they make them very insecure and it can be an emotional tormenting type thing. So we want to talk about jealousies. And then of course uh, that verse continues with outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, verse 21, envy, murders, drunkenness, and so forth. Now, many times we use these two words interchangeably, jealousy and envy. But the fact is, is that here in the Greek, and uh, which is expressed to us in our modern day English, we have two different words. First, we see in verse 20, the word jealousies, and then in verse 21, the word envy. And in the Greek, they are two completely different Greek words with different meanings. And we want to look at that today. So let's start, first of all, by looking at the word jealousies or the word jealous. In the Greek, it's actually the word zelos. Say that just for a moment. Zelos. Uh, you could change the Z from a J, and it would almost sound like jealous. So the Greek word is zelos. Matter of fact, uh, speaking of that, the way that sounds, I was in uh, a Barnes and Noble some years back with my wife and daughter. And of course, Barnes and Noble is a big uh, bookstore. And this was in Hickory, North Carolina. So Hickory is a pretty good sized city. Uh, you know, it's, it's not like Charlotte or Raleigh, but it's a pretty big sized city. And we were there in Hickory at the Barnes and Noble. Now, inside of the Barnes and Noble, there's a Starbucks coffee shop. And so uh, we had gotten some books and some other uh, literature that we were going to buy and some other things that we were looking at that we were interested in. And we had put it on a table. We were sitting down at the table in the Starbucks inside the Barnes and Noble. And we had gotten our drinks and we were, you know, a little snack. And so we're kind of having a fun family time. Well, while we were sitting there, a family came in. Uh, It was the mother and the son. And I think there was somebody else in the family, but they weren't all there. We didn't, it was just the mom and the son standing there. They, so they, they went to the Starbucks. This is like the, the big visit to the city. It seemed like, it seemed like they were some, uh, very sweet country folk, but you know, I grew up in the country and I, I grew up as a country bumpkin and they reminded me of myself having grown up in the country. Uh, th- this was like a country bumpkin type situation uh, now in the city because they've come from the country and they've driven into the city. And it, it seemed like to me this was the first time that the son had ever been in Starbucks. And so the mom, she was maybe like 40 years old and he was probably like 
25 years old. And they ordered uh, their drinks. And so this is all new to him. And so the mom had ordered him like a, uh, it was like a Frappuccino or something like that. I don't know what exactly was. All I saw him was when he was holding it. So she got her hot drink. He got him a cold drink. And so when the lady at Starbucks handed him that drink and he held it up, his eyes got like that big with excitement. And he, he took the straw and he uh, sipped on it and he lit up like a light bulb. And uh, it was like, you know, like a glory moment for him. But when his mom saw the joy he was having and the way he was holding that drink, his mom looked at him with that Southern country accent and said, Ooh, Ooh, Ooh. when your sister sees that, when you come home, she's going to be jealous. Ooh, she going to be so jealous. Ooh, and me and my you know, wife, Kelly, we were laughing, and our daughter, Abigail, she was laughing. It was the funniest thing in the world because the mom kept saying, Ooh, uh, she's going to be so jealous. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So it, it was hilarious. But actually, she was pronouncing the Greek word jealous correctly, jealous. <laughs> with their Carolina accent. Oh my goodness. It was so funny, but it's a different word from what envy is. Mm -mm. Speaking of envy, let's actually cover envy first, because if we look at envy first, jealous will begin to make more sense. So let's look at envy, praise God. And they're different. They have similarities, but they're actually different. Now, What exactly is uh, envy? Envy can be defined as having ill will towards someone. Why? Because they possess something desirable that you don't have. All right. Now it's different from jealousy. We're going to come back to jealousy in a moment. Jealousy is different, but envy is defined as having ill will towards someone because they possess something desirable that you don't have. Now, again, in our English language, modern day, we use envy and jealousy interchangeably uh, in endeavoring to mean the same thing. But biblically, they each have different biblical meanings. Technically, uh, the lady at the Starbucks, uh, the country lady with her son, if she was going to be biblically correct, she would have said, hey, when your sister sees this, she's going to be envious. But, you know, the, the word jealous or jealousy is a little more understood uh, in our English language. That's the word she chose to use. But that was actually something that could have been a case of envy, where she's envying something that something desirable that her brother had that she didn't have which was a mocha frappuccino, praise the Lord. So again, envy is defined as having ill will towards someone because they possess something desirable that you don't have. Now remember also, these are all the, the works of the flesh that Paul outlined in Galatians chapter five, jealousies and envy are both works of the flesh. And they're things that we want to stay clear of. Here's a fascinating scripture from Matthew chapter 27, verses 15 through 18. Let's talk about why Jesus was put on the cross. Now, verse 15 says, Now at the feast the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner, 
whom they wished. And at that time they had a, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ. For he knew, he knew that they handed him over because of envy. And envy in the Greek is the word phonos. So it's different from jealousy. Envy. The religious leaders envied Jesus. Why? He had true authority. And they didn't. And uh, it was very frustrating for them to see the crowds and the attention that Jesus was getting because of the authority that was on his life. And Pilate knew that they were extremely just burning up with envy uh, because of all the attention that Christ was getting because of that true authority. Now, we see that in Matthew 20, excuse me, Matthew 7, verse 28, where it says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And it just ate them up. It ate them up. Watch out. Envy is very, very nasty. Mm, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a very contagious type thing. Praise the Lord. We also know from Scripture that the blessing of the Lord upon your life can cause others to become envious of you. And this is what happened to Isaac. I feel like I'm getting many of you ready to walk in the 100-fold blessing because when that happens in your life, uh, it will attract envy. It will attract jealousy. But especially, it will attract envy, those wanting what you have. Now, this happened to Isaac. We see it in Genesis 26, verse 12, where it says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. You're going to have Philistines envy you too. Some of those Philistines might even be in church, bless their hearts. <laughs> they might even carry a Bible. But watch out, watch out for envy. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. In other words, they filled them up with dirt and rock and debris. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So, they stopped up the wells because of envy. Let me see if I can get up, give a little bit of a prophetic spiritual spin on what envy can do. There have been wells of revival, moves of God, that have been stopped because people got envious. Mm -mm. It's a true story. Uh, I won't go into details, but years back, decades back, there, there were 12 women that got together in a certain African nation, and they began to greatly intercede that God would move, that God would reach the lost, that God would do miracles, signs, and wonders, and heal the sick. And after really pushing through in prayer, the revival took hold, and suddenly you had, you had around this little bitty missionary compound you had like a thousand people 
suddenly show up because the power of God was there. And as God began to work miracles and people began to receive Christ as Savior and great things began to happen, suddenly two women out of the 12, and they were the two primary prayer leaders. There were the two ones that were the pretty much the leaders in this prayer group. They became tremendously opposed to what they had actually prayed into manifestation. And they began to speak against the work of God and they began to do all they could to stop it. Why? Why? They became envious of the people that God was working through. They didn't think that some of these very humble people that God was flowing through with great power were qualified for that type of an anointing. And they, they got very, very envious. And they, they basically just threw dirt and rubble into that well of revival. And it didn't take long for that anointing to begin to lift and the whole thing to end. So my friends, uh, it's very interesting. Do you remember when the Apostle Paul was on the island of Malta and it was raining? They'd been shipwrecked and everything's kind of wet. So they thought, well, let's start a fire. And some of the local natives are trying to help them because they, they've just been shipwrecked and so forth. So they're helping them. And Paul grabs some sticks uh, to, you know, go towards the fire and get the fire going. And as he takes these, these sticks, he didn't know it, but he picked up all these sticks. There was a viper in there and it bit him on the hand. Well, I have discovered that when there is true fire, and that's what Paul was involved in there, getting that fire. You know, let's get this fire going. Let's go, get all dried off and get some comfort here. Fire being a symbol of the Holy Spirit. When you have true fire, genuine fire, uh, sometimes it can bring out these little vipers, these little snakes, I would call them. And oftentimes they are snakes of envy. They're snakes of jealousy. Mm, and they get so envious, so envious. <laughs> Watch out for that. Watch out for that. Uh, it's something that you really have to guard your heart against. It is a work of the flesh. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. And it has, it has flared up in moves of God. It has flared up in churches. Watch out for envy. Um, I thank God for the ministry of Arthur Burt. He's in heaven. He lived his life out. He lived a long life. He had a very, very long ministry. I don't think he passed away until he, he was 103 years old. Praise the Lord. And he was a Welshman. And he came and ministered in America a whole lot. He actually ministered in Moravian Falls a whole lot. And uh, he was, uh, of course, based out of the UK, based out of Wales. But um, Arthur Burr, thank God for his honesty or his transparency or both. Because he talked about the time he pastored a church. And as he pastored this church... He had a real challenge with the young people. Um, there was a group of teenage girls particularly that just would not get into the flow. And they sat, the parents let them sit on the back seat, the back pew, and they, they didn't listen to anything he preached. They didn't respect anything that he said. And they chewed gum, they laughed, they giggled. And there was one particularly that really irritated him. Uh, she was kind of like the ringleader. And she didn't want anything, basically, in a sense, to do with church or Christianity. But, you know, she had to come for whatever reasons. 
I'm not, I think maybe her parent, one of her parents sent her. She had very ungodly parents, so I'm not even, I'm not sure how she would, she was even there, but she was there. But she really agitated Arthur Burt, he said, and so he was kind of frustrated They that, you know, they never uh, kind of came into the things of God. Anyhow, he was transferred to a different church to pastor a different church. Uh, there in England, and so he's over at this different church, and he's plugging away over there, maybe like a year or a year and a half goes by, and he starts hearing talk all over. He's hearing talk about a revival, a real powerful revival that's broken out. Well, he thought that's, that's good. He didn't know where it was at. He finally, uh, it didn't take him long, came across somebody that knew where the revival was at, and to his shock, and total dismay, guess where the revival was? In the previous church where he used to pastor. And guess who the primary individual was that God was working through? It was that teenage girl. And he said, no, that, that can't be. There, there's no way. And the more of the reports he began to hear, he began to get angrier and angrier, and he began to burn with envy. God, how could you, if this is true, how could this be? <laughs> he got so full of envy and anger towards that young girl that he decided to go to the meeting. And he, he makes the, the journey to the meeting. The first thing he said is that when he opened the doors to the sanctuary to go inside. He said it was like walking into a blast furnace, Whew, phenomenal heat, uh, glistening white. And it's not the lights. It's the glory that was in that place. Just phenomenal presence of God in that place. And he stood, uh, he went in and he stood at the back. Now remember he used to pastor this church and he stood at the back and he watched what was going on. And there's that young teenage girl who has now submitted her life to the Lord, who's now like putty. It, she's like putty in the hands of God. He can work with her and work through her. And there she is standing up at the front, and she's ministering to people prophetically. And he said he was so mad, <laughs> still dealing with this envy and this, how could God choose her and work through her? And uh, as he's standing there in the back, guess what happens? She starts walking towards him. And, and this is why I appreciate his transparency. He actually said in his heart, God, if she comes towards me, I am so angry at this situation of you using her. If she comes up to me, he said, I'll spit in her face. Now that sounds terrible. And it is, <laughs> I'm sure he would be the first to admit it. But if you read his material, his books, uh, he was, he, he was very open minister. And so that's what, that's what his thoughts were. Now he said the whole time she's getting closer to him, her eyes are closed. She never opened her eyes at all, but there's people all laid out, knocked out by the power of the Holy spirit, people laid on the floor. And as she's coming to him, she's zigzagging through all of these uh, bodies on the floor in chairs and all. And she's not opening her eyes. She's walking completely, totally yielded to the Holy spirit and her eyes are closed. And she does. So she's just walking in the spirit, touching certain people, ministering to certain people. And she came right up to him. She came right up to him and brother Bert just stood there. She came right up to him and touched him on the forehead and bam, out he went out 
totally knocked out under the power of God. <laughs> All of that envy and burning hatred. Just God showed him how disgusting it was and it all melted melted out of him as he laid there on the floor and from then on he was an attender he and his entire family his wife and children I think he had like nine children they were there every single night um, just enjoying that rich rich move of God different different little note um, a little fun rabbit trail one time, uh, Brother Burke said that the, the general superintendent, I won't say his name because he, he is a, a very prestigious man, and he was a great man, but the general superintendent over all of the assemblies of God of Great Britain, over the whole, all the assemblies of God, over that whole area, over all those nations, came to the meeting because, you know, this was an AG meeting that it was taking place in. And they had heard reports back at headquarters, you know, there's a move of God going on. So they, they, they kept hearing it so often, they, they thought, well, we need to go see. Because they also heard other things that were questionable. As any true revival, you're going to have a lot of, you know, stuff cooking. So they decided to go. And so he shows up with his entourage of corporate elites, you know, because this is a big denomination. And they sent out, you know, he decided to go out, so he brought all the bigwigs with him. And they walk in, and um, Brother Bert said the anointing came on that young teenage girl, and she went over to him and began to give a prophetic scathing. You prideful man, thus says the Lord, your pride. And it just began to, whoo, just began, a just phenomenal, flaming word. And Brother Bert said, all of his yes men, you know, you had the president over the whole thing, because he's getting that tough word. All of his yes men were like, who does she think he is? We'll throw her out. And the president said, don't touch her. Everything she said is 100% completely true. <laughs> it's all true. It's all true. <laughs> Woo. By the way, that was one of those churches that if you – if you walked into a church like that, you could not hide your sin. You either confessed it and quickly got it under the blood. You could not stay in a church like that while you're practicing sin. It, it, it would get revealed. It would either get called out publicly, not that you, because you, you had, you had prophetic voices all in that church and, uh, or it would come through a, uh, like an utterance in tongues and then an interpretation, or it would get called out in prophecy or in the middle of the preaching, the minister would stop and say, this is what the Lord's showing me. And you, you could, you would have to do, you'd have to get right with God. You couldn't stay there. Mm -mm. Glory to God. Watch out for envy though, because these little snakes, they try to, they try to come in and that's anytime there's true fire, you have that nothing to be concerned about, but you need to be aware of that. Praise God. So now let's take a look now at jealousy. It's different from envy. Jealousy can be defined as a demand to be number one, and it also denotes a fear of losing that preeminent position. Now, when we're talking about humans, this demand to be number one 
is with humanity, it is associated with also a fear of losing that preeminence that somehow they have attained. And of course, one of the classic examples would be what happened to King Saul of Israel. See, King Saul witnessed young David kill Goliath. He saw it personally. And so Saul decides to recruit right there on the spot, David into his army. And David becomes successful. He was a very smart guy. He becomes very wise in his dealings, and he becomes successful in the military. But that causes extreme jealousy to rise up within King Saul. And he even took a javelin one time, a spear, and tried to nail, uh, tried to literally pin David to a wall. Crazy, crazy stuff. Now, we see... In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 6, something that happened that just, just set Saul on fire with jealousy. Verse 6, now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy. And with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed only thousands. And right then, he got hit with jealousy that just absolutely consumed him. And because jealousy is a work of the flesh, you also see listed among the works of the flesh murder. And the next thing that you know, he's trying to create, uh, trying to commit murder. Now, here's the thing about jealousy. God is a jealous God, but there's a reason he can be that. Exodus 34, verse 12. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, watch this, whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. The Lord not only is a jealous God, His name is jealous. See, you have to understand that God alone reserves the right to be number one. Numero uno. Why? Because He alone is God, and He alone is the creator of the universe, and He alone is the giver of life. So He can claim it. He can claim it. Amen. He has a right to expect to be worshiped. Praise the Lord. But nobody else does. Nobody else but God does. When man tries to exalt himself and draw others to himself for his own glory, then he is cursed with a spirit of jealousy. Jealousy and envy. Yes, they have separate meanings, but they are both rooted, watch this, 
in the sin of comparing yourself with others and competing with others. Let me say that again. Jealousy and envy. They have separate meanings, but they are still both rooted in the same sin, which is that of comparing yourself with others and even competing with others. Jealousy and envy are the result. You ready for this? Of an uncrucified ego. Praise the Lord. I need to say that again. Somebody needs to hear that today. Jealousy and envy are the result of an uncrucified ego. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Now, today, I'm going to share some things that will bring great security into your life. You'll be so secure concerning who you are in the Lord. And in order to build that security, we must remove jealousy and envy from our lives. Pastor Stephen, how do we overcome jealousy and envy? That's what we want to talk about now. Praise the Lord. Now, the first thing that you can do to keep jealousy and envy out of your life is to stop comparing yourself and measuring yourself with others. This is very dangerous to do this, to be comparing your life with others and measuring yourself with others. The apostle Paul said in second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So this is a commandment. This is a commandment not to be making these comparisons. Now we understand that if you dig into this chapter and into this verse, that the context here is that Paul is referring to false apostles who were commending themselves. And honestly, there's, uh, there's some very humorous sarcasm in this chapter, especially in the next chapter that Paul uses while he's writing to the uh, Christians there in Corinth. But he is really saying this is a very foolish thing to do. And this type of comparing is done by those who are insecure and immature. And unfortunately, these false apostles who were making all these claims and talking about how great they were and comparing themselves amongst other fraudulent type apostolic voices. Unfortunately, the Corinthian church bought this whole thing hook, line and sinker. And Paul said, this is not good. This is not wise. Not only are you listening to their, you know, foolish rantings and comparisons, but also they're not even teaching right doctrine. So stay away from this thing of making comparisons. It's kind of like the pastor who said, I have the largest church in town. And then you find out later that the town only has 50 people in it. it it's just silly, crazy things. Don't get over into that category. Uh, the word of God forbids us to make these types of comparisons. It's very immature to do that. Now, number two, how we overcome jealousy and envy 
is don't compete with others, but have a servant's heart. Um, in ministry, you'd be shocked at the spirit of competition that can come into ministry. And it's not good. I, I know a man one time that was launching his ministry. He felt the call of God. And I actually think that there was a legitimate call and the Lord had ministry for him, but he was coming out of a very competitive business world where uh, with, you know, business is competition and you have to have your, you know, if you have your own business, you have to have a, you know, a, a financial plan and you, you look at your competitors as, you know, threats and stuff like that. And so he started bringing that mentality into ministry. And just before he launched his ministry, he actually invited me over to his home for counsel. And he also invited a pastor of a good church. I think his church had maybe like 500 members. He invited my pastor friend over and I knew the pastor. He and I were are still friends today. So we go over to this guy's house. He invited us over and you know, he, he wants insight uh, into ministry. He's, he wants to share his plans and when he started, started sharing his plans, uh, me and the other minister who were full-time, uh, we were concerned because he began to present his ministry plan. And he was presenting it just like a business plan. And you wouldn't believe it. On this plan, his ministry plan, he had listed competition. Other ministries that he has to, quote, compete with, unquote. And he actually called them threats. <laughs> And, and, you know, me and the other pastor were just like, hey, it doesn't work like this in ministry. We want each other to succeed. We want each other to do well. We're all pulling for each other. We're, you know, if you're, if we're all serving the Lord, you know, we're not against each other. We're, we're for each other. We're not trying to tear each other down. We don't want to see each other fail. We're all trying to help each other. We all are praying for each other, blessing each other. And I was totally forward to this guy. Totally foreign. And we tried to share some things that would help him to have a soft heart, to, to realize ministry is all about loving people, serving people. But he was just known, you know, he still had that, that business mindset. And he didn't last long in ministry. And he wouldn't change. Pastor Stephen, what happened to him? Sadly, he died. He died very young. And uh, I've seen that happen. I, I know another minister that was uh, very, very rough, very, very competitive. And if he saw another ministry in struggle, he would not help them. He would actually try to sink them. He would actually try to, in a shrewd way, try to get them to leave the ministry. Why? That left a field more open for him. Pastor Stephen, what happened to him? He died also. He's gone. He's not here. Now, I believe both of those fellows made it to heaven but that's, that's a, not the way to go. That, that's not the way to go. I believe that they shortened their lives through very unloving things that they did. They were so competitive. Oh, whew, crazy, crazy. Mm. And even, even in the business world, you don't want to be like that. You don't want to see your competitors fail. Uh, other businesses that, that are in the same sector that you're in, you actually help each other raise your game. You make each other better. Praise the Lord. So it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Praise God. 
So we overcome jealousy and envy by not competing with others, but having a servant's heart. Look, even in sports, you can endeavor to do your best and you can strive to win. You don't have to hate your competition. You don't have to try to grind them into the ground. You don't have to speak bad about them. You don't have to like have this atmosphere of like, we're at war. I mean, it's another human made in the image of God. You don't want to destroy them. You don't have to be like that. Now, I, I know sometimes, uh, you know, sports news and sports agencies, they want to create that, particularly like, say, like in boxing. They want to create an, an, an antagonistic, you know, like feud. They want, they want anger. They want there to be a, you know, some type of a storyline where they, they have, you know, blood, a blood feud or something like that. That, that's, that stuff is all of the flesh. So you can be in sports, you can be in business, you can be in ministry, but you don't have to have that competitive spirit where you're out to destroy people, conquer them or something like that. No, no. You actually want to have a servant's heart. Mm -mm. Praise God. Praise God. Luke chapter 22, verse 24. And they began to argue among themselves as to who would have the highest rank in the coming kingdom. This is the 12 apostles and they're actually arguing. And it, it, look, when you're in the flesh like that with, with, with jealousy, mm, when you're in the flesh like that, you don't, don't be surprised if you're always in these quarrels and these arguments and they began to argue among themselves as to who would have the highest rank in the coming kingdom. Jesus told them in this world, the Kings and great men order their slaves around and the slaves have no choice but to like it. But among you, the one who serves you best will be your leader out in the world. The master sits at the table and is served by his servants, but not here for I am your servant. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. My friends, you don't need to be envious or jealous of others. Let your focus be to serve and to bless others. And when you're serving others, you're actually in the position of being a giver, which does what? It builds maturity in your life. Woo, praise God. Mm -mm. Now listen to this scripture. How wild is this scripture? The Apostle Paul said, Some, it is true, are actually preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry, rivalry towards me for no better reason than a competitive spirit or misguided ambition, but others out of goodwill and a loyal spirit preached. Uh, and he's talking about how they go out and preach towards uh, and act right towards him. That's in Philippians chapter one, verse 15. That's the amplified Bible. So while Paul writing this, think about it. He's in prison. And he's locked up in chains. There are those other ministers out there that are thinking, good, Paul's gone. Now we can get more attention. Glad he's locked up. He was getting all the attention. And they're actually preaching out of a competitive spirit. You think, oh, Pastor Stephen, that can't be. Well, unfortunately, there are some that do that. Now, there's others that do it out of pure motives. Praise the Lord. Wow. But can you imagine a minister, a full gospel minister, celebrating that a fellow minister, even of the quality of Paul, is locked up in, in chains and in prison, 
and they're happy about it, that's some twisted stuff. Whenever you get in the flesh, you get in all kinds of weird stuff. So walk in the Spirit. Don't let jealousy or envy creep into your life. Mm-mm. Number three, how do we overcome jealousy and envy? We must realize that we are all in different seasons of life. I think it's fascinating when you read through the book of Acts. We know it's technically the acts of the Holy Spirit. The working, the moving of the Holy Spirit in the lives of men and women is titled the Acts of the Apostles. But as you read through the book of Acts, and you go through particularly the first half of the book, it's like there's a spotlight, and it's shining on who? You know who? Peter. Yes, there's, uh, you know, Acts chapter 2, they're all gathered in the upper room and stuff like that. But look, the whole book, uh, the first half of it, is revolving tremendously around Peter. But then you get about halfway through the book of Acts, and there's a dramatic shift and it begins to feature the Apostle Paul. Now, I know Barnabas is with him, and I know for, for a while Silas is with him and stuff like that. But the spotlight and the preeminence is clearly upon how the Holy Spirit is working through the Apostle Paul. You have to understand, there was a time for Peter to shine. And then there was a time for Paul to shine. And it doesn't mean that just because the spotlight comes over here now on Paul, that God's done with Peter. No, Peter's ministry still continued. His ministry is still vibrant, but there was a shifting in the seasons of what the focus was. And that's very, very important. And here's something else that's very important to understand. Much later, when Peter and Paul were both dead, not only are they dead, but all of the other apostles have also died except for John. Then John's came. His time came for him to step into the spotlight. So it's suddenly now John's season primarily for his life. And most theologians agree that when John was an apostle of the Lamb, one of the 12, that he was selected most likely right around the age of 17. But it was only years and years later that he stepped into the fullness of the assignment that God had for him. So if you read through the book of Acts, you only see a little bit about John mentioned in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 8. But decades later, uh, particularly right around the year of A.D. 96, is when he wrote the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ while he was on the island of Patmos. Praise the Lord. And he was either in his late 80s or even his early 90s. Praise God. So you have to understand that you don't need to be jealous or envious of somebody else because that could be their special moment. And God is blessing them. But he also has special moments pre-planned and designated for you. So you enjoy your journey, your walk with the Lord, because there are the times when the light focuses upon you as well. So 
it's very important to know this is this is something that I, I really want you to take to heart know that no man no ministry no denomination has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit I need to say that again Woo, I like that no man no ministry no denomination has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. Now there are some ministries they act they like to act like they do. We're it. We're the voice of God. Well, there the spotlight may be on you, but trust me, the the body of Christ is still functioning and you could be carrying a specific truth that the Holy Spirit is emphasizing right now. But God will never allow one man or one ministry or not even a denomination to have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. We've got it. It's all over here. If you want God, come over here because we've got God over here in a box. No, nobody does. Nobody does. I don't care how strong he's moving there. Nobody has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. You can have your own thing going on with God. Woo! Praise the Lord. I remember back in the 90s, there was a revival going on in a certain state, in a certain city. And people, you know, many Christians would go down there and experience the revival. And I talked to an old pastor, uh, uh, and I, I talked to him. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, I said, hey, have you gone down to the revival, uh, uh, you know, down in the so-and-so? He goes, oh, he goes, Brother Stephen, I don't need to go down there. He said, he said, he said what they have going on down at that, their church, we, we have that every Sunday. That's just normal here. Every Sunday we have people saved. We have people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have people getting their lives right with God. We have signs, wonders, miracles. That's just normal. Well, I don't need to go down there. We have that here all the time. <laughs> Woo. But see, the spotlight wasn't on him. But he still had it going on with God. Mm, and he did. He truly did. Praise the Lord. So, Realize that we are all in different seasons. There's no need to be jealous or envious because the spotlight may be over here for a while. Praise the Lord. Now, how do we overcome in, uh, envy and jealousy? Number four, and I love this one. This one's very important. This one's going to set somebody free. Have your own promises from God. John chapter 21, verse 20 and 21. Most assuredly, this is Jesus talking to Peter. I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, how about that? Jesus just gave him a personal prophecy that, that nothing's going to change it. That Peter's going to live to be an old age. Mm -mm -mm. But Peter, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. So that was something that the Lord signified to him. So signify means to symbolize. So when the Lord said that, he very well could have, you know, given some hand gestures or some movements that Peter like thought, okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. So the Lord is ministering to Peter one-on-one. -on -one. And when he had spoken this, he, Jesus said to him, said to Peter, follow me. Woo, I like it. Now, verse 20. Then Peter turned it around. Not a good thing to do when you're having a one-on-one -on -one moment with the Lord. Then Peter turning around, 
saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeking him, excuse me, seeing him, of course that would be John, who actually wrote the book of John. Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Mm -mm. And I want those words to ring in your spirit. What is that to you? Now, one translation says, how does that concern you? In other words, the Lord is saying to Peter, Peter, how does what I have planned for John concern you? That's, that's not for you. That's for him. And the Lord goes on to say, uh, well, actually, verse 23, it goes on to say, Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? And so you are supposed to have your own thing going on with the Lord, and you need to focus on it, and you need to follow him having your own promises that you have received from the Lord takes your eyes off what others are doing and alleviates jealousy and envy. Woo. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Watch out for that old dabbling in other people's business, a busybody, gossiping, jealous, envious. No, no. You've got your own thing going on with the Lord. Peter had his own mandate. And you do too. And the Lord said, now follow me. And you need to do the same thing. You don't need to be concerned about, you know, this, that, or the other. Hallelujah. You need to live for the Lord. Serve Him. And have your own promises from God. And He has certainly given you some very, very beautiful promises. Number five, as we're talking about how to become very secure through eliminating Jealousy and envy is that you must have the love of God perfected in you. Again, you must have the love of God perfected in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Let me say that again. It does not envy. Whoo, praise the Lord. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. So love does not envy, and love is not self-seeking. You touch that area of jealousy with self-seeking of somebody always wanting to be preeminent. Got to be number one, no matter what. Jealous. Mm-mm. Love is not self-seeking. Self-seeking is also a root of envy and jealousy. Love is unselfish, but envy and jealousy are self-seeking, and they're self-grasping. They're grasping. Why? They have me, me, me on their mind all the time. Mm -mm. The Corinthians, the Christians there, in the city of Corinth, they were very young 
in the Lord, and they actually envied one another. And the Apostle Paul said, you are still fleshly, for since there is envy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and living like unbelievers? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. In a similar way to the Galatians, the Christians in Galatia, the Apostle Paul said, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. He concludes by saying, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh gets into those, those yucky things. Two of them, which we have seen earlier, are envy and jealousy. Now, Paul calls the Corinthian Christians infants. He actually calls them infants. And even though they could operate in the gifts of the Spirit, they were still infants because of the envy that, there was, that was in their life. Paul calls the Galatian Christians little children. In Galatians 4.19, he actually calls them little children. Jealousy and envy are the behavioral patterns that are displayed at times in infants and little children. Don't let it rise up in your life. We need to grow into spiritual maturity by walking in the love of God. And that is a giving love. That is a giving love that puts others first. Praise the Lord. So let's briefly recap five things that we can do that will greatly stabilize our life and give us tremendous inner strength and confidence because we are free from all of the insecurity and paranoia of jealousy and envy. Mm -mm. I tell you what, envious people are the most insecure people I've ever met in my life. Anytime I see insecure people, I see envy. They're envious. They're not, and it destabilizes them. Mm -mm. How do we overcome jealousy and envy? Number one, stop comparing yourself and measuring yourself with others. Number two, don't compete with others, but have a servant's heart. Mm -mm. Let me say this for those that are aspiring into the ministry, and you would like for God to open doors. Maybe you would like to speak in a church or something like that. You have to understand that if you go in as a guest speaker and you are walking in the power of the spirit and you have an anointing and you're ministering and the people are receiving it and the people are being blessed, you have to understand dynamics of what that can create, particularly if you're there maybe for three or four or five days. And I've, I've done uh, countless meetings throughout America and many different nations. And sometimes it's not just, you know, I'm there. It's not like I'm just there one night. I'm sometimes there a week or even longer doing meeting after meeting. But what can happen is that you can have church members that are eating up the teaching and they're saying, Ooh, this is good stuff. 
and they go up to the pastor and they say, this is so good. We haven't had teaching like this before. This is so good. But see, the pastor, he's there every Sunday and he's there after you leave, after the guest speaker leaves, he's there every Sunday. And when you're there consistently and you share a message, it doesn't quite have that zing or that sizzle like a traveling evangelist or like a guest prophet rolling in the town, you know, moving in the spirit. Cause uh, it's, it's kind of like the proverbial, you know, blow in, blow up and then blow out. <laughs> and so, you know, the people are like, Ooh, Ooh, that's just great teaching. Mm-mm. We've never heard anything like this before. See, you have to also be careful because that can have an adverse effect on the pasture where envy, envy can try to hit him. And I've seen it hit some pastors before, and you have to be very wise that you do all you can to disarm that and not ride on that pride of what that can do to you. You must not let that trap, that snare. Remember these little serpents, they're going to try to come in whenever there's true fire. Well, Pastor, how, Pastor Stephen, how do you deal with something like that? The moment you walk into the pulpit and you're introduced and you go up, you must compliment the man or woman of God that's over that house. You must, in front of the people, lift that person up by, here's some examples. In front of the, in front of the congregation, you must say, I'll tell you what, your pastor is a great man, full of the wisdom of God, and I highly value his friendship and I consider him to be one of the wisest people that I know. Look at this beautiful facility that he has built. Look at the way that he has grown this church. Look at his loyalty. And I'm honored to be here. So you, you, you need to pour strength into that person. Now, you'll have many ministers. They're very stable. Uh, uh, but you have others. They're younger. And they could even be in ministry for several decades. But... You know, when people, when church members start going, oh, oh, this is glorious. It's never been like this before. Trust me, the enemy is going to try to hit that pasture with envy. So you, you need to do what you can do to diffuse things like that by complimenting him before the people, by speaking well, very well of him before the people. And when you do that, you will, and you, when you walk in that, really it's a servant's heart, then it just it just begins to take out all of that arrogant stuff. It begins to just neutralize all of that. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. So don't compete with others. Have a servant's heart. Next, realize that we are all in different seasons in our lives. I see a season rolling around for you or your time to shine is about to break forth. And maybe you have felt like the apostle John. (laughs) Well, yes, you had some glory moments back in the original founding days. Yeah. But then things kind of went quiet for a while. Oh yes, you're still busy, still doing your ministry, but didn't quite have the thunder of John, excuse of Peter. Didn't quite have the thunder of Paul. But I'll tell you one thing. How many of you know that before John was done, there were some serious Thunder, praise God. Mm-mm. Tremendous ministry and a tremendous incapping of his ministry. Number four, have your own promises from God. 
and you're so secure in what God has called you to do and you like it and you enjoy it. It's what gets you up in the morning to spend time with the Lord and you're excited about his, his calling for your life. You don't need to be jealous or envious of anybody else. You've got your own thing going on with the Lord. And number five, have the love of God perfected in you. Walk in love so that you're not jealous or envious. Look, there are some scenarios that God can put you in where you realize it's all about maturity in Christ, walking with the Lord, even if everything were stripped away. And that's what happened to Paul. Everything was stripped away, and he's sitting in a dungeon, almost forgotten, except for some of his very faithful uh, assistants who would track him down and find out where the Roman soldiers had put him at, and they would minister to his needs. But he had times where he could not lay hands on the sick, could not publicly prophesy or operate in gifts of the Spirit. He's sitting in a dungeon. But even while he's there, he's not envious or jealous of others that are now able to keep on operating and doing what they're called to do. He's happy for them. He's praying for them. And he would even take that time to use it wisely and to write various epistles and letters that still benefit us today. So my friends, have the love of God perfected in you. That's the greatest one right there. Praise the Lord. Now let me pray for you because there's a lifting coming and there will be others around you. They'll see it. And in some, it's going to create a jealousy. And there will be many times you have the ability to, like Paul, shake the snake into the fire so that nothing becomes of it. And you want to do all you can to walk in humility. Praise the Lord. Because it's in that humility where unity comes forth. And when there's unity, the Lord can now pour the oil, just as it says in Psalm 133, that oil can begin to flow down from the head, now down over the body, and now we can really have a good time in the Lord. Why? There's unity, and that's held together by a humility. And there's a very, very sweet spirit. And when you're in atmospheres like that, uh, particularly when you're together with other believers, um, there's not much that God can't do. I mean, it's, it's pretty much anything's on the table as far as miracles, blessings, manifestations of the glory. So we have to really walk this very delicately. Praise God. Walking in the love of God with a servant's heart, with humility, so that we can have this oil of unity flowing. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, Father, I pray for your people that as their lifting up comes, I thank you, Father, they will walk in humility. They will walk in the love of Christ. They will walk in your love. We give you praise, Father. We thank you that regardless of their position, their status, or their place, we thank you for freedom from the works of the flesh, particularly of jealousy and envy. We thank you, Father God. We thank you that you're protecting us from that and keeping us from these little serpents that like to pop out whenever the fire 
starts to burn. Father, we give you praise and glory. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. You know, you're going to be a refreshing to many people when they see that you're not out and after what they have. It's very, very uh, relaxing to them when they know that you're not after their stuff, when you're not after their, their you know, their, their, what they possess and you, you're content and you're blessed and you're happy in what God has going on in your world. I tell you, people open their hearts to you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're watching today's program and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can receive Him right now. And there are some who are watching. You've been waiting for this moment, and now's your time. Just pray this prayer out loud after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to get my life right with you. Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died to save me from my sins. So Jesus, come into my heart. I give my life to you. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. I receive you now. I take you now as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. He has heard that prayer. Let me be the first to welcome you into the family of God. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord forever. Somebody has been set free. Glory to God. Somebody has had migraine headaches. Be released in the name of the Lord and had already started coming off of you, but just take your full deliverance. Now receive hallelujah. And you feel really happy in your heart. It's okay to laugh. Praise the Lord. The Lord is he healing someone of a fear. You thought you had a heart condition. You didn't have a heart condition. You had a fear, a suggestion that something's wrong with your heart. But the Lord's showing you right now that no, that wasn't the case. It was only a phobia, a fear. Your heart's okay. Receive that deliverance from fear right now in Jesus' name. There are some that, have, that are watching. It's a small group. You have been unemployed for a while, and you're beginning to wonder, Lord, will I, am I ever going to go back to work? And you're concerned, and you're depressed. And the Lord heals you now. Be encouraged and let your faith be released again for work because this time it's coming and you'll see that the Lord will bring provision and he's going to take care of you. The job is coming and that will bring very quickly fresh supplies and resources back into your life. Praise the Lord. You're going to get the phone call. Praise God. Be encouraged. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Somebody, it's one, it's, it's one or two people, um, one, one particularly that it's especially made for. You actually are feeling a tickling on the bottom of your feet. You're feeling a tickling on your feet, and as I, as I mention it, it's actually causing you to giggle and laugh. And the Lord says, 
for that person that's a calling to the nations to preach the gospel. And he's anointing your feet with good news, uh, to take the good news. And what he's giving you is that a sign that as you minister the good news, there will be humor in your message, Holy Spirit humor. And you will lift people. You will make people smile and laugh. That's, that's kind of a note of the tickling. Praise God. And it won't be the only time that it happens to you. Father, we give you praise. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name that we're free. We give you all of the praise. Hallelujah. Let's take Holy Communion. If you're not a part of this online church family, you can still take communion with us if you're a believer. And I would like to invite you to take communion with us together. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. And let's pray over it right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Somebody's getting set free right now because you were very, very jealous of a family member. It's a brother or a sister. You were very jealous of their success. Very, very jealous. And you realize that you're being convicted of the Holy Spirit. That, that, was, that jealousy, that envy was wrong. It was wrong for you to envy them like that. You should have celebrated their lifting up. And you're, you're, you're under conviction right now. So you need to repent and get that right with God. <laughs> get it right right now. Father, we bless the bread and the juice. We consecrate it as the body and the blood of Christ, your Savior. And Father, if we have committed any sins, particularly sins of jealousy and envy, we ask that you would bring complete forgiveness into our hearts right now. And Father, we release any of that yucky stuff, and if there's any retaining of it, any emotions of envy towards somebody, we release that right now and cut that off. That is a work of the flesh. And so, Father, we choose to strengthen and bless those around us and pull for their success, not for, not for their demise. Father, we bless others. We bless them. And we rejoice with those who rejoice we thank you. We weep with those who weep. Thank you, Father. Father, as we partake of the body of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we can walk with pure hearts. We thank you, oh God, we give you praise. God's going to open new doors. Watch and see. God's going to open new doors. Father, we receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the body of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Glory. 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 Mm -mm. Glory to God. Glory. Glory. You know, I'm thinking about a, a pastor friend that I know. He, he's, he's actually a prophet, but he also pastors a church. But because of his pro prophet's ministry, he travels a lot. And he told me uh, as a traveling prophet, he was going to go minister at another church. He flew into the city. He landed, 
he got a rental car and he was driving to the church because he was going to be there for multiple meetings. Now, listen to this. While he's driving through the city to go to the meeting, the, he said to him, the most beautiful Harley Davidson motorcycle pulled up next to him. There's a man driving it. And the color was a color and a style that just made his head go. I mean, for him, he said, he told me, he said, Stephen, it was the most beautiful motorcycle I had ever seen in my life. And he would, that's something that he thought, you know, that's what kind of like stirred his juices, so to speak. He was just like, wow, that he even thought that he, he just was like, wow, I have never seen a motorcycle that beautiful ever. Watch this. He goes to the church to speak and the Holy Spirit moves and people are being deeply ministered to. And at the end of the, at the end of his time of ministry, a man walked up to him and said, while I was in the service, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me to give you my motorcycle and it's paid for. I have the title deed to it. And he had the keys and guess which motorcycle it was. It was the one that passed him while he was out driving. It was the same motorcycle, the same guy. And he, he, you know, the prophet didn't know that this guy's going to the same service, had no idea. The, the, now, here's maturity. The first thing the prophet did, the guest speaker did, the first thing he did is he said, he said, okay, just a moment. I've, I've got to get the pastor in on this. And he asked the pastor to come over and said, pastor, this is one of your church members. And he's wanting to do something. I need, I need to present this to you. I, can't, I cannot receive this unless this is something that you will bless. And the pastor was very secure, had no jealousy, no envy, and basically said, Brother, I delight in your blessing. Receive God's blessing into your life. But you have to understand that was very, very wise of him to do that. There are other pastors that could blow a gasket over something like that, that could be so upset about something like that. You never gave me a motorcycle. There are some that would just, they would, they would go literally to the back room and bawl and squall. They'd be, they'd be weeping and crying. You have to be very, very careful with things like this. Don't ever try to set somebody off. Walk in sweetness and love. Yes, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. But you have to beware of these dynamics sometimes that can be floating around you and walk in love. When you walk in love and you, you're sweet, you have a servant's heart, you can just, you can diffuse all of that. Whoo! Praise God. That was, that was great wisdom. He had praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus as we receive it. Now we thank you, father God, that the Philistines, they're, they're in the flesh. They represent the flesh. And those in the flesh are going to be envious. But Father, we thank you at the same time. Let us never be an antagonist where we try to stir it up and try to show it off. Let us walk in love and sweetness. And Father, we understand there will still be those that are envious. And in cases like that, it's just what comes with the hundredfold blessing. But Father, we give you praise. Let us guard our hearts from envy and jealousy. And let us realize, Father, that you and only you deserve to be our number one. We celebrate you now as we receive communion as the great God Jehovah, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We worship you, O God, 
And Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name as we receive the blood of Jesus now. Let's partake together. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I sense breakthrough angels are ministering on your behalf right now. Be encouraged. Doors are going to open for you. Praise the Lord. Walk in spiritual maturity. One of the most out of place things is infancy when it's supposed to be an atmosphere of maturity. One of the most beautiful things is the mature character of Christ. Be determined to walk in that. And may the Lord bless you. Thank you for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.